Well, it has been a blessing to come this way. I sure thank you for the invitation and it's been a joy to get to know many of you and get to know your pastor. And I just thank you for standing for the Lord and for His Word. I hope you'll keep doing it. Uh, this whole world changes. Their fashions change and their uh, way of doing things changes. Their politics change, but uh, this old Bible stays the same. That's what people have been doing for 2,000 years, just laying aside their... Uh, duties at home and duties on the job and taking their Bible and their family and meeting together in churches just like this and singing God's praise and studying God's Word and praying together. And that's what we'll be doing right up till He calls us out. And then we'll have a big camp meeting up there in uh, heaven around that throne and it'll be just a wonderful time. And I hope you'll stay with the Word of God. You know, this is a, this is a day of psychology. That's the, They're supposed to have all the answers now, you know, shrinks and uh, counsel, that's a big word now. Counselors used to be preachers. Now it's counselors. And this, this fella, he had a problem. Florida's a weird place. A lot of weird stuff goes on down there. But this guy, he, he had this, this terrible problem. He couldn't sleep at night. He was afraid somebody was under his bed. And he's afraid if he went to sleep, whoever's under his bed come out from under that bed and, and hurt him. And he couldn't, couldn't go to sleep. So he went to see this psychiatrist and told him about his problem. And, that shrink, he said, you think you can help me? He said, I believe I can. He said, if you'll come twice a week for a year, I believe I can get you over that problem. And the guy said, what's that going to cost? He said, well, $50 a session. And the guy said, well, I don't know. Let me think about it. Well, about six weeks later, that, that shrink hadn't seen that fella, and he bumped into him in town. And he said, how come you never came back? He said, well, my pastor took care of that problem. He said, what are, you, what are you talking about? He said, well, I, I told him I couldn't sleep at night because I, I scared somebody was under my bed. And he, he took care of it that very same day. That psychiatrist, you know, he didn't believe it. He said, well, what do you do? He said, my preacher gave me a saw, told me to cut the legs off my bed. <laughs> you know, m- most things in our lives are not that complicated. They're really not. It's just a matter of finding out what God says and doing what God says. And, and what we thought were great, big, gigantic problems, they can clear up pretty quick. If we just let, to, let the Lord and His Word have their way. So, Well, your pastor asked me to uh, bring uh, some sort of message uh, in this being the 400th anniversary of the, of the King James Bible. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, your job mates probably don't know that. And uh, people nowadays uh, just... just uh, a little word about about the our King James uh, Bible. I call it Authorized Version. Uh, just a little word about that before we uh, go to our text and read read our passage tonight. Today in our world, the most brilliant minds on earth they are assembled by those who know where to find the most brilliant minds on earth. And they devote their mental abilities to coming up with new drugs to help you live longer or coming up new weapons to kill more of you faster or figuring out a way to get to the moon and look for life or Mars and look for life or a Hubble telescope and look for life or to solve global warming or to come up with a a faster way to cook microwave food. Okay, the, the greatest minds in the world today are assembled for scientific purposes to get you smaller and faster ways to entertain yourself, right? Cell phone, I mean, you, you look, we went from, from computer to a, uh, to a home computer to a laptop to a pretty soon, they're just going to put it in your palm or in your forehead. It'd just be, be that fast and that simple. But the greatest minds of our day are working on scientific projects. And you'd have to admit, they've really accomplished a lot in the last 30, 40 years. 400 years ago, the greatest minds in the world were interested in books and literature and the restoration of ancient texts. And of those great minds, the greatest of them were assembled in England to spend seven years giving you this book. Now, I don't care what they say about the scholarship behind the NIV. Those are a few third-rate, low-level church people. 
That's the best we've got working on translation. Okay? The leading scholars of our day are not studying Bible manuscripts. They're studying cancer, blood pressure medicine, cell phones, satellite technology. They're not studying many. There was a time 400 years ago when the smartest people on the face of the earth were giving you an English Bible. You're not going to improve on this book. You're not going to prove, one, just one of the men, one of the men that, that worked to get you this Bible. You're looking forward to school getting out? Summer, like summer, like summer. One of these men, was professor, university, each year on his three-month summer vacation, every year for decades, he learned a language. I don't mean he figured out how to ask for a hamburger when he got off the bus in some foreign country. He learned a language every summer. That's a pretty smart guy. You know what, you know what he devoted that, that intellect to doing? Getting you this King James Bible. You, you're not getting anything like that in, in this generation. You're not going to improve on this book. You don't have the brain power, you don't have the spirituality, you don't have the time, you don't have the resources, not devoted to this project. But 400 years ago, the smartest people on earth wanted to get God's Word right. And they did it. And they did it. And then the human race moved on to other things. So we'll stick with this book. We'll stick with this book. It, it, it is produced by superior Scholarship, no question about it. First Kings chapter 13. First Kings chapter 13. What better place to preach a message about the Bible than First Kings chapter 13? And we'll start at verse number 1 and make our way through most of this chapter tonight. Uh, other nights we, we've looked at a lot of different verses. We're going to be pretty much in one place tonight. First Kings chapter 13, verse number 1. And behold. There came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. Wouldn't you like to go down in history as the man of God? Not running bear, right? Not flying squirrel, not quarterback. This, this man went down in history as the man of God. That's pretty good. And the man of God, look what, look what directed him. The man of God, came, he came out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, house of God. So the man of God, by the word of God, came to the house of God. That's a pretty good start. That's a, that's, that's a pretty good start. And uh, he, uh, when he got there, Jeroboam, that's the king, stood by the altar to burn incense. And he, the man of God, cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Hey, that's pretty good. He doesn't care if that man's a king or not. He's a man of God. He doesn't care if that man's a reigning monarch. He's got the power to put him in prison. He's got the power to cut off his head. He's got the power to take his property. He doesn't care. He sees a king doing something a king shouldn't be doing. He sees something going on in the name of religion, shouldn't be going on in the name of religion. And he, he cries out against it, not with his opinion, not with his convictions, but with the word of the Lord. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And he says, Behold, a child should be born in the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. So what do you got? You got the man of God, by the word of, the God, uh, by the word of God, coming to the house of God, and he's preaching the truth of God against, against that which offends God, and, and he just, he's just laying it down. That's the way it ought to be. That's the way it ought to be. God's preacher shouldn't bow down to man's king. God's preacher shouldn't be afraid to speak against man's false religion. 
He's not hateful. He's not mean-spirited. He doesn't have a bad attitude. He's not nasty. He's just telling the truth that needs to be told. And away it goes. And the Bible says in verse 4, And it came to pass, When King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him! It's controversial to preach against religion. It angers people when you preach against their religion. It offends people. Uh, they, they, just, they, they think there's many ways to God. There's not but one. They think as long as you're sincere, you can do whatever you want. That's not so. And when this preacher came and said, that altar's wrong, that worship's wrong, that sacrifice is wrong, that makes you wrong, that king didn't say, well, whatever you say. That king didn't say, well, you know, you're right. I've been under conviction for quite some time. He said, get him! You living for the Lord? Are you God's man? Declaring God's word? If nobody's thrown their arm out at you and in anger told you off, you hadn't gotten with a program yet. Amen. You need to stop playing it safe. Amen. You need to quit trying to be a sneaky Christian and just go ahead and just go ahead and get out in the open, be the real deal. Amen. Hey, this world is on its way to hell. Have you interfered with that? This world hates your Savior. Have you opposed them? This world, this world is at enmity with this word. You can't be declaring this word and not rub somebody the wrong way on a regular basis. Now, I don't go out looking for trouble, but it's not hard to find. I don't go out trying to make enemies, but, but they're pretty easy to collect. If you will tell the truth on your job, you'll not win the popularity contest. You've got to decide what you want to do. Be popular, be the man of God. Kings, princes, governors, pontiffs, mayors, neighbors, kinfolk, they don't like to be told their altar's not acceptable. They don't like to be told their way of worship doesn't please God. And he stuck his hand out. He said, get him. And the Bible says, <laughs> his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. I try, I try to be gracious. Because I'm supposed to be. My Lord is. I try to be kind and merciful because I'm instructed to do so. And, and the fruit of the Spirit, you know, would, would dictate all of that. I try. But I'll tell you something. When I try to witness the people they curse Jesus Christ, that aggravates me. We stand out here and preach to people. Uh, listen, this, this is a good size uh, crowd tonight. But we've had some tremendous revival meetings this year. We had 100,000 people at our evangelistic services in January. And, and we had almost, almost 150,000 people in our evangelistic services in February. That's a pretty good crowd, isn't it? Isn't that a blessing? Now, in January, we went to the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida, and preached outside the stadium. And in, in February, we went to the Daytona National Speedway and preached outside the racetrack. But I'm telling you, we had some great crowds. We had some great crowds. But let me tell you something, man. When those people curse Jesus Christ and mock the Bible and make fun of God and, and, and call you everything but, but brother, it doesn't bother me a bit for about 30 minutes. But about 45 minutes or an hour into that thing, I just every now and then wish that God would dry up that arm so they couldn't pull it in again. be kind of nice if somebody started cussing you for preaching the gospel. And his mouth just froze. Be preaching on the street corner, you know, somebody ride by in their car and stick their arm out the window and, and you know, we're number one, only there. <laughs> now, I've often thought, wouldn't it be great if God just frees that fellow's hand and arm there? <laughs> he gets to work. Oh, no, this. <laughs> he got to walk into the job. And the boss says, good morning. <laughs> 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 
stops and goes to Walmart and he's walking through the store, you know. <laughs> now, I wouldn't wish that on him, but I'd like to see it one time. <laughs> I was riding through town one day. We got, you know, our, most of our folks, they got these Bible verses on the back of their cars. And, <laughs> and, and I pulled up in my car behind this this lady goes to our church. She had the Bible verse in the back of her car. And so I, I beeped the horn to wave at her. And she reached her arm out the window and told me she was number one. I'm not kidding. Well, being a concerned pastor, I followed her. She pulled in the parking lot where she was going. I, I pulled in behind her and I got out and she got out and she said, Oh, hi, hi, pastor. And I said, Why'd you do what you did back at that traffic light? She, she said, I was just waving. I said, sister, don't make it worse by lying. <laughs> that old king, he said, get him. And he, his arm just froze right there. He couldn't pull it back in. Now look at the heart of this preacher. He didn't hate this man. He's not out to get him. Bible says in verse number 5, The altar also was rent, and ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said to the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me, that my hand may be res- restored me again. Oh, all of a sudden you, like, you want the preacher around, huh? All of a sudden, you want some help. Hey, let me tell you something about this world. If you tell them, if they knew, if they saw in print in the Bible, they were going to die and go to hell, they wouldn't ask you to pray for them. If you showed them in the Bible, they're going to stand a great white throne judgment and be condemned by a holy God, they wouldn't ask you to pray for them. If you showed them the lake of fire and people in that lake of fire weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth and crying out for one drop of water, they wouldn't ask you to pray for them. But if they find out tomorrow they've got to have an operation, uh, you're a Christian, aren't you? Do you pray for me? Hey, he didn't care that God had just condemned his religion. He didn't care that God had just busted his false altar. He didn't care that God had just said, everything you're doing is wrong. But as soon as his arm doesn't work right, he wants prayer. Tell you, that world out there, the only thing they want from God is to feel good, to fill their pockets, to fill their belly. That's all they want from God. They don't want anything spiritual. They want, they want all, all the material stuff. Anyway, here's this man of God who came by the Word of God to the house of God and preached for God. And God confirmed the Word that he preached with this uh, sign following. And then the Bible says here, And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. That's a good heart. That kid, he, look, he's not out to get this king. This is what, this what your, uh, your neighbors and mine, this is what they don't understand. The fact that I came and told you your religion was wrong, I, I'm not hateful, I don't hate you. That's right. The fact that I said you've got to repent and be born again, I'm not your enemy, I don't hate you, I, I wish you well, I wish you the best. Your car's broke down, I'll help you change your tire. You get, you get laid up and sick, I'll help you cut your grass. I'm not your enemy. But that altar's wrong. I don't hate you, but that sacrifice is not acceptable. And don't, don't, don't people misunderstand us? Oh, you Bible-believing people, you, you think you're right and everybody else wrong? You're just so hateful. We're not hateful. The mechanic's not hateful when he diagnoses your engine trouble. The doctor's not hateful when he diagnoses your physical trouble. And the man of God's not hateful when he puts his finger on your spiritual trouble. We'll pray for you. We love you. We care about you. But if you're wrong, you're wrong. Now, if this chapter ended right here, this, this young man would have gone down in Bible history as one of the great and outstanding men in all the Word of God. He'd be in your flannel graph set. 
you put the picture up, here's the altar. You put the next picture up, here's the, here's the sacrifice. And, and then you'd take down that altar and put up the broken altar. And then, then the kids would all, they'd love to see that king with his arm, you know. Be a great story if it ended there. But it doesn't end there. Look in the Bible in verse number 7. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself. And I will give thee a reward. Now, doesn't a man doesn't a man need refreshment? Doesn't a man need something to eat, something to drink? Help him along the way? Is not the laborer worthy of his hire? Is not the prophet deserving of his reward? There, there's nothing sinful in any of those offers. Verse 8. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house. Now think about something. He's the king. If he gave away half his house, instantly this young man would go from being a Bible preacher to equal to the king in Israel. That's quite an offer. That's quite an offer. You know, there's many young preachers sold out for a lot less than that. There's many a pastor that's given up his testimony and given up his, his, uh, his uh, place of service and benefit to the cause of Christ for a lot lower price than that. This young man is being offered, he said, if you offer me half the kingdom, I will not, look at it, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way, and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Wow. He just moved up another notch in our estimation. Now, the king didn't offer him... One of his most beautiful dancing girls. The king did not offer him a mountain of cocaine. The king did not offer him some huge, gigantic sin. And he said, no way, I'm not going to do that. The king offered him a hamburger and a Coke. He offered him a meal and a little rest before he went on his way. And that, that preacher said, I would not, I would not take half the kingdom if I had to disobey a little teeny tiny command like don't stop for a drink. If you offered me an equal place of rule and government in the nation of Israel, they're God's chosen people. If you gave me half of the kingdom, if you made me equal to you on the throne, and God said, don't eat lunch until you get home. Obeying God in the least little commandment means more to me than being a king in Israel. You don't get much more dedicated to God than that. You won't find a higher respect and regard for every word of God than what you just read right there. Now, come on, you know, you know what the average Christian would say. You know what the average preacher would say. Well, it's not a big deal. It's just, it's just lunch. It's not a big deal. I'm just stopping for a little while. I mean, you can't walk all the way without a break. That young man said, if God said... That altar is wrong. If God said, prophesy and tear down that altar, that's a big deal. That's, that's how some people say, well, you know, i got to go preach. That's a big deal. i got to proclaim the word of the Lord. That's a big deal. I've got to speak tonight in the house of God. That's a big deal. But what I do on the way home afterward, not so important. What I do when I get back to my house that night, eh, Obey God, disobey God, but in church, but not this fella, not this fella. He thought it was as important to obey God on the way home from preaching as it was while he was standing there proclaiming the word. 
He thought it was as important to not turn aside to the right hand or to the left in a small matter as it was to work a, a sign and a wonder and a miracle of healing a king's arm. That's a pretty fine young man. You won't find any better. And if the chapter had ended right there, we'd be preaching about him from one end of this country to the other. You'd, you'd have heard about him by now. But it doesn't end there. The Bible says in verse number 10, I'm sorry, verse 11. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and he had a wife named Ethel. da 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 It's just perfect. It's the... I guess you'd have had to study literature for four years in college. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. See, and and rest your life, you're going to think his wife was named Ethel. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But anyway, there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king. Them they told also to their father. And their father said to them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. You see what he's called all through here? The man of God. The man of God. And he said to his sons, Saddle me the ass. And so they saddled the ass and he rode thereon. And went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak tree. And he said to him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place, for it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou should eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. You know, it's one thing, it's one thing to say to a wicked king, I can't go home with you. It's one thing to say to an ungodly man, I'm not going your way. Here's a man of years. Here's a man of, of accomplishment. Here's a man that's, that's been in the way a lot longer than that young fellow has. Out of respect for his office. To honor him for his service. To, to just remember your place as a young upstart in the presence of a, of a dignified preacher of God's Word. You'd have to at least consider going home with him, you'd have to at least ponder his invitation. But the young man said, Sir, I mean no offense. Sir, I mean no disrespect. But God said, don't stop to eat. God said, don't stop to drink. God said, don't turn aside. And even for you, sir, with all due respect, I cannot come to your house. Oh, I wish we could close the chapter right there. We'd all just take our spiritual hats and tip them to this young man of God who stood so true to God and to His Word. But the chapter doesn't end there. The Bible says in verse number 18, He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. All right, let's stop and consider this. He's going to say three things here, and every one of them is very offensive. I am a prophet also as thou art. May I say as politely as I can because he is a prophet. May I say as kindly as I can because he is one of the Lord's servants. You, sir, are a liar. Because if you were a prophet like that young man, God would not have had to bring that kid from some other town to walk all the way to your town to preach against that king and against his altar. You would have left your comfortable home and gone down there and put your finger in his face and you would have told him that God said what he was doing was unacceptable. If that man has built an altar in your town and set up a false worship in your town and engaged in practices offensive to God in your town and you never rebuked him and you never said a word about it, you're not a prophet like that kid. Because that kid stood against what was false and you didn't. Because that kid risked offending the king 
to proclaim the word of the Lord. While you, Mr. Prophet, sat silently and played it safe, you are not a prophet like that young man. Brother, if you're not trying to get lost people saved, you're not a Christian like people that are. If you're not standing against false religion and false doctrine and false teaching, you're not a soldier of the cross like the people who are standing. If you're not trying to rescue the perishing, if you're not trying to build up the saints, if you're not laying down your life for the brethren, don't, don't meet a Christian with a beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other, and say, oh, I'm saved just like you. You might be saved, but you're not just like me. Okay, I, I'm not trying to ruin things on the last night of the meeting. But I, I, I don't know what it's like up here and you knock on doors. I don't know what it's like around here and you go out and give out gospel tracts and things like that. I'm so sick of drunks telling me I'm a Christian just like you. I'm so, I'm, I'm so sick of, of, of adulterers and fornicators and, and the ungodly. Oh, you're a Christian? I'm a Christian too. I'm just, like, I'm, I'm just like you. You're not just like me. I'm faithful my wife. You're not just like me. I'm faithful my church. You're not just like me. I'm trying to live by the Bible. The fact that you're a paid professional minister doesn't mean you have anything in common with a man who takes the Bible and preaches the truth. But that's what he said. I'm a prophet as thou art. And, oh, and, and an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. Ooh, an angel. You know, if this kid's been watching TBN, he's in trouble. I, I, just, I, I just want to tell you something. If an angel walked in this room tonight, and you're here and you're not saved, that angel cannot tell you how to get saved. The Bible says we preach the gospel, a thing the angels desire to look into. If an angel is here tonight, it couldn't save your soul. It shed no blood for your salvation. It never spoke one word of truth to you. Never gave you a single verse of scripture. Listen, angels are ministering spirits. They serve God. They are not to be bowed down to. They're certainly not to be taken over the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, people in our day, they want anything but the Bible. Angel posters, angel air fresheners. Hey Amen. Angel helping the kid across the bridge. Here an angel, there an angel, everywhere an angel, angel. How about the Bible? How about the Bible? He said, he said, I, I, now son, I know, I know God told you to go straight home. I know the word of the Lord told you not to come to my house. But an angel, an angel talked to me. Now, you know what that boy's got to do? He's got to say, all right, what's my final authority going to be? Does Scripture trump angel or does angel trump the Word of God? That's quite a test. Keep your finger right there and turn to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter number 1. You say, well, who would, who would take the word of an angel over the word of the Lord? Those two boys on bicycles that are coming to your house. They got another testament that somebody got from an angel. And they give that greater authority than the Word of God. You better be careful. Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, verse number 6, I marvel, I marvel that ye are so soon removed. From him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, you ready? Or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That young man should have said, Sir, if that angel said something different than what God said, he's a fallen angel, let him be accursed, kick him on in the pit right now. I'm not the least bit interested in what he had to say. 
but he wavers. He's intimidated. He's awe-inspired. This man is claiming to have something of, of superior weight. He's claiming to have something of greater import than the Word of the Lord. And, and the young man is beginning to, to shake and, and waver. And, and it just might be possible he could be moved away from his faith in God's words. The Bible says in verse number 18, I am a prophet also as thou art, and an angel spake unto me by the Word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water, but he lied unto him. But he lied unto him. He might have seen an angel. The angel didn't say that. Or maybe he never saw an angel. In either case, what he told that boy just wasn't so. Amen. You say, why would an old prophet try to mess up a young preacher? That's what I've been wondering for 30 years. Right. But they do it. Maybe they've lost their zeal and the young man's zeal gets them under conviction and they figure if they can quench his zeal, they won't feel so bad anymore. Maybe they, maybe they quit reading their Bible, started spending every night with Fox News instead of the Word of God and, and they lost their certainty of the authority of Scripture and they, 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 they lost their conviction that the whole world was going to hell and needed the gospel. And this young man just a little too fanatical and a little too, a little too overbearing. Maybe the church had gotten dead and cold and they didn't feel like getting it going again because they didn't want to get going again either. And so they tried to, to, to pour buckets of ice water on all the young fellows that were on fire for God. Maybe. Maybe. Well, I got saved by the time I got saved. Three or four guys my age, we all got saved about the same time. We were excited for God, man. We were just on fire for the Lord. We didn't know much, but we knew we were lost and going to hell, and Jesus saved us. We knew our friends were lost and going to hell, and, and we needed Jesus to save them. We're just out preaching and witnessing, studying the Bible, hanging around the church, and they're having to run us off so they can lock the doors and go home. And we had some old dead elders in that church. They didn't do anything wrong because they didn't do anything. <laughs> and in that church, we also had some widow ladies just loved Jesus. And they were so happy to see some young boys in the church excited about God and thinking maybe our church has a future after all. They'd been praying for something like that for years. Those old elders knew those ladies loved us and knew we loved those ladies. And so they, they called in the godly grandmas and said could you talk to those boys they are disrupting our church so this lady her, her, her name was Netta Applegate and she met me in the parking lot after church one night she said James the elders asked me to talk to you come here a second she said the elders asked me to talk to you I said yes ma'am she said they're afraid that you're getting a little too zealous and a little too fanatical. And, and they're, they're, they, they asked me if I would talk to you about your, well, you know, just your enthusiasm. Is that okay if I talk to you? I said, yes, ma'am, I guess it is. And she said, you keep it up, son. You keep it up. Don't you listen to them. You just keep it up. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, you did that very well. <laughs> now, you, you, listen, there's always some old prophet out there. And I'm not saying if you're old that, that you, you can be on fire and be, be old. Look at your pastor. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but you don't have to be dead because somebody else is dead. You don't have to turn away from the Word of God because somebody else has turned away from the Word of God. He lied to him. Verse 20, or 19, So he went back with him. What did God tell him not to do? Don't go back. And he ate bread with him. What did God tell him not to do? Don't eat bread. And drank water. And it came to pass, as they sat at the table, 
that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back, and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of the which the Lord thy God did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. What? That used to bother me. It used to really bother me. So here's the two lessons we're to gather from those verses. Number one, when a liar tells the truth, it's truth. When a compromiser gets something right, it's right. Look, if, 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 if somebody who is sound in the faith says something once a year that isn't right, it isn't right. You can't believe something false just because a man who's almost always true said it. If it's false, it's false. Yeah, look, we're, we're talking about the authority of the Word of God. And if this man is a, is a carnal, backslidden, compromising liar, when he says, thus saith the Lord, when he quotes God's Word, it's true. But here's the real lesson. Applies to nobody here. I'm sure it doesn't. Here's a real lesson. You better watch out for these guys that'll never tell sinners out there in that world that they're wrong and need to get right. But they are instant to tell their brothers in the church where they're wrong and they need to get right. How about that? If you won't knock on a door and tell a lost drug dealer he's going to hell and needs Jesus Christ, you got no business standing up in Sunday school and telling somebody in your church they need to get right with God. You're going to take, if you're not going to take God's side against the lost, don't be taking God's side against the saved. Either bash everybody or don't bash anybody. Do you know the crowd I'm talking about? They'll go, they'll listen, they'll go, they'll go sit in the bleachers at a ball game and listen to people cuss and swear and tell dirty stories and make fun of God and take Jesus' name in vain all night long and never object. But you come to church with the wrong color on or you sit the wrong way or you, you hold your hand this way when you should have held it that way. And they, Excuse me, uh, can, can I tell you, I didn't think you did that right. No, you can't. No, you can't. Because if, if you're not going to tell, tell a lost man who's cursing Jesus that he's wrong, don't tell a Christian doing the best they know how that they're wrong. You just, you're just out of line. You, you haven't earned that privilege. How's that? Is that okay? If it's not, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. <laughs> Pretty harsh words that he, this old prophet put on that young man. 23. And it came to pass, after he'd eaten bread, and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way, and slew him. Wow. She said, God got him. I don't think so. She said, the devil got him. I don't think so. I'll explain in just a minute. Keep your finger there. Come to 1 Peter chapter 5 if you need to. Some of you know where I'm going. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. 1 Peter 5 8. Be sober. That means always be in full control of your thought process. Be sober. Be vigilant. Always watching. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, read it with me, as a roaring lion. How about that? Walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Wow. You mean there's a devil out there? Yeah, there is. 
You mean he's walking around? He sure is. What's he doing? He's looking for lunch. That's what he's doing. Now, let's do some English tonight. Oh, no. Hey, we'll do it tonight, and then you won't have to do it in homeschool tomorrow. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Who's cheering? I felt that way about math and science. I was doing okay in math till they told me you could add a number and a letter together. <laughs> you know where that came from? Muslims. They've, they've been terrorizing me for a long time. <laughs> I used to come in the house and I'd say, Mom, can I have a cookie? And she'd say, yes. And I'd head for the cabinet where the cookies were. And she said, what are you doing? I said, well, you said I could have a cookie. I said, yes. I, I said, you could, but you may not. <sighs> Smarty pants, Mom. Now, here's what she's trying to teach me. And she did, because see, I still remember it. Can is ability. May is permission. Can is ability. May is permission. The Bi Aren't you glad the Bible didn't say, your adversary, the devil's roaring lion, goeth about seeking whom he can devour? Because he can devour every one of us but seeking whom he may devour? That's either permission or opportunity. Correct? Okay, now watch this. You want to help me out? You don't? Do you want to help me out? Okay, good. There went your hundred dollars. Okay. Now you stand right here, and when I say now, I want you to walk over to that other wall over there. Think you can do that? That'd be P.E. You want to do P.E. tomorrow. Now, God says to the young man, go home and don't stop. Is that right? Now, I'm the young man. I'm going to go home and I'm not going to stop. He is the roaring lion. Okay? You ready? Now. It wasn't the lion. It wasn't God. It wasn't the devil. If he had not stopped, he would never have crossed paths with that lion. Ready? We're going to do it again. Can you think you'd do it that way? It's, it's farther that way. What's that? Called to preach. <laughs> okay. Now I'm the young man. I stop at the old prophet's house. I eat. I drink. I get up to go. Now. Don't bite me. <laughs> it wasn't God. It wasn't the lion. Had he obeyed the Lord, he would have been way on down the road and never can, would never have turned into may. But by stopping and disobeying God, he put himself in danger and he crossed paths with a lion he never had to meet. Thank you. Did that real good. See if I got a hundred in here. Too bad. <laughs> People say, well, if I sin, will God get me? Probably not. If I sin, will the Lord punish me? Not likely. I think he punished his son on the cross for all our sins. But if you stray from the path of obedience, you might run into the devil. You might run into trouble that you could have avoided if you just done what God told you to do. See that? 
We've got a lot of old prophets nowadays and a lot of young prophets and a lot of preachers here and authors there and, and, and expositors over here and seminar speakers over there. And I hear them all saying the same thing. You don't have to obey God. You don't have to live in strict obedience to the Word of God as long as you love the Lord. This young man loved the Lord. As long as you serve God, he was serving God. But when he disobeyed the word of the Lord, he put himself in line for trouble. I want you to love God and I want you to serve God, but I want you to obey God. Now look at the next verse, 1 Peter 5 verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. How would you resist the devil? Well, I don't want to wrestle with him. I don't put my hand on his forehead and try to try to keep him back. How would you resist the devil? How about if God says don't stop, you don't stop. How about if God says go home another way, you go home another way. If you just obey God, that's the best way to resist the devil. All right, back to 1 Kings 13. Because this gets really weird now. And if there's one thing I like, it's the parts of the Bible that are really weird. Verse 24, And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way. And as stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass. That don't happen. Sorry. That does not happen. If a lion kills something, it eats it. That lion runs, smacks that fellow down, knocks him dead. And then God says, stop. And he's standing right there. National Geographic never got that on film. Animal planet would say, that can't happen. But it's not an animal planet. It's God's planet. Now this, this is a blessing to my heart. I hope it is to you. I don't want you to sin. I don't want you to do wrong. But are you saved tonight? There's somebody out there that can kill your body. And would like to. And if you wander out of the path and you get out of the way... You just might run into a roaring lion that will take you out before your time. But he cannot consume you and make you part of himself. He can kill the body, but afterward he can do nothing because you belong to Jesus Christ. To deliver such an one unto... Satan, for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of Jesus Christ. This body's not been redeemed. It's up for grabs. My soul has been redeemed. You might find me laying in the street with a lion drooling over me, but he cannot eat me. I belong to the Lord. That young man laying there dead is a warning that we don't disobey. And it's an incredible picture of our security in Jesus Christ. If anybody's going to lose it and get eaten by a lion, it was that guy. But he didn't. Now, you talk about the worst day in your life. How'd you like to be that poor donkey standing there? He is no match for that lion. That lion looking at him, licking his chops and can't move. And that donkey wanting to run away and go home and he can't move. That's a strange scene, you know that? And then some men walk by. That's amazing. 
Now here's the tragedy. It's worse than that young man losing his life. Keep reading. It says in verse number 25, Behold, the men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. If the chapter had ended before he turned aside, in that city and in this city tonight, he would be known as the man of God who proclaimed the word of the Lord and wouldn't go against God's word for half the kingdom. But instead, because of one day's failure, husband, because of one day's disobedience, wife, because of one day's compromise, good church. He was known in that city and in, to this day in this city as the man of God who disobeyed the word of the Lord. You have started very, very well. Finish that way. You've run a good race to this point. Your pastor has a good reputation. Your church has a good reputation. You, as part of this church, I trust have a very good reputation. Live and die with your good reputation intact. Don't go so far in the right way, but then have the final word written that disobeyed the word of the Lord and ended up Victim of the roaring lion. A man told me we're sitting, and I've been, I've been I've been chewing on this ever since. Your pastor knows more about history and things than I do. But he said, "Can you think of a church? Can you think of a church anywhere in this country that is true to the Word of God?" True to the authority of Scripture, that is, that is winning the lost and edifying the saints that's over a hundred years old. I can name a lot that used to be. I can name a lot that started right. I can name a lot that, that if you go to their, to their documents, they, where they began was right where they're supposed to be. What happened to that college? What happened to that school? What happened to that church? What happened to that ministry? How'd the lion kill it? Never says he didn't love the Lord. Never says he wasn't serving the Lord. He just thought he didn't have to obey all of God's word. Got a King James Bible? Believe it's true? Live by it. Live by it. And worst of all, worst of all, this young man dies, and the scripture says, verse 33. After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people priests of the high places. Whosoever would, he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing became a sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and destroy it from off the face of the earth. Jeroboam is at the point... Of repentance. He fears God. He's seen God work in his life. 
Had that young man stayed true? Had that young man stayed true? It might have been the start of national revival. But we'll never know. We'll never know. You say we're one little family in one little church in one little town in the state of Ohio. What difference does it make if we compromise, if we quit, if we get careless? I don't know. I don't know. I just know this. There's a better chance of God sending revival to this town if you stay right than there is if you give in. There's a better chance of God doing something again in our nation if we stay true to His Word than if we move away from it. I don't want to stand before the Lord and have God say, this is what I had planned for the closing years of your ministry. I wish you hadn't done that. I want to be like that old preacher that sat in that jail and wrote to Timothy and said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He's a man of God. He came by the word of God to the house of God and stood for God and was blessed by God. But a lion got him. Be sober, be vigilant. Though we or an angel from heaven try to turn you away from the truth of this book, you just keep on moving down that road. Don't stop. Don't turn aside. Keep following God and His Word. Amen, 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 amen. Our Father in heaven,